Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, June 6th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Fiat Chrysler withdraws its 33 billion euro merger offer for Renault. The chief of the IMF warns that rising tariffs between the U.S. and China are, quote, self-inflicted wounds on the global recovery. And YouTube is banning supremacist content from its website. Plus, the FT's Camilla Hodson examines the companies that are making money out of the information about you on the Internet, even if you didn't put it there. And why it's tough to make that information disappear off the World Wide Web. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Fiat Chrysler has withdrawn the proposal for a 33 billion euro merger with Renault. The FT was told by one source that Fiat Chrysler pulled out after it emerged that the French government and unions were not confident about the Italian-American company's reassurances on job security. Renault's board met yesterday and the day before, but delayed a decision on the merger both days. It said Wednesday that the French state, which owns 15 percent of Renault, requested the car company delay the vote by a week. People close to the board say the French state asked for the delay so it could speak directly to Renault's Japanese alliance partner, Nissan, about the merger. Had the deal gone through, a combined Renault and Fiat Chrysler would have created the world's third largest car maker. The head of the International Monetary Fund has warned that the global economic recovery is in danger, thanks to the rising tariffs between the U.S. and China. Christine Lagarde called the tariffs, quote, self-inflicted wounds. And she says the IMF's economists believe the recently imposed import levies by the U.S. and China would cut global growth by a third in 2020. And it gets worse if the earlier tariffs are added in. Lagarde said the self-inflicted economic wounds must be avoided by, quote, removing the recently implemented trade barriers and avoiding barriers in whatever form. U.S. President Donald Trump and China's Xi Jinping will discuss their tariff standoff at a summit next month. But there are few signs either side is backing down. And as global regulators crack down on misinformation and hate speech, YouTube is banning supremacist content from its website. The move comes a day after the video sharing site refused to take down content from a right-wing user who used homophobic slurs to mock a journalist. YouTube is owned by Google parent company Alphabet and said in a blog post that it decided to change its hate speech policy after consulting experts and reviewing its approach. The company will now ban all videos, quote, alleging that a group is superior in order to justify discrimination. That'll include videos promoting or glorifying Nazi ideology. YouTube said the policy will go into effect today, but the company warned it could take time for its systems to, quote, fully ramp up. And here's a closer look at a story you'll want to know more about. Financial Times reporter Camilla Hodson first came across Karen Irwin on Twitter. She was complaining that she had all this personal information on data broker site My Life and that she was struggling to get it removed. Now, Karen's a regular person, so it took her a while to get any traction with My Life at all. She'd been emailing My Life for months. I think it was two months of emailing and then some back and forth on the phone. 
Karen was so fed up that she even reached out to the Attorney General of Massachusetts, Maura Healey, asking for help. And all this time, all she wanted was for the information to be removed. And eventually, Karen did get the information taken down. But she represents a swath of individuals who have issues getting their information off data broker sites, such as MyLife, Spokio, Instant Checkmate, and PeopleSmart. These types of companies are believed to be worth tens of millions of dollars, though not disclosed by the industry. These businesses comb through social media, dating profiles, and public records, and can create a profile of you, whether you like it or not. And the profiles they come up with can be comprehensive. They can include addresses, details of lawsuits, and photos. And in the U.S., the practice is totally legal, with profiles available to anyone willing to pay the price. It's basically a convenience service. So a customer might be a provisional employer who wants to do a little background check on someone they're thinking about hiring. And instead of having to go through their social media themselves, go through and check if they've ever gone to court for something, they can go to one of these people search engines and say, tell me what you know about this person. If someone wanted to get their information off of these sites, who are the kind of people who are most likely to try and get their information off? And do they usually have success? So the people who want to get their information removed tend to be split into a couple of groups. There are people who have just become more privacy conscious over the course of time with things like the Cambridge Analytica scandal and discussions about social media and whether or not you want all of your information out there. But then there's also a group of more vulnerable people, women who've been in abusive relationships, judges who preside over dangerous criminal cases, police officers. And so whoever you are, you can go to these sites and say, please, can you remove all of the information that you have about me? And remove actually is not really the right word. They frame it as an opt out. And the website can then say, we'll do our best to remove everything and not put anything up. They also don't have to do that if they think it's too much trouble or they just don't have a very rigorous system in place for doing so. There's no legal obligation for them to do so unless in their terms and conditions they have said, this is the way to opt out and we will honor that. Right, because this is all technically public information. Yeah, and so the other problem is that once you've opted out, there's a chance your information will come back online and that's actually quite a high chance. And that's because essentially what happens when you opt out is a broker kind of flags against your name that you are somebody who doesn't want their information made public. And because they're buying in new information all of the time, your information might be in a new data set that they buy the next week. And so they need to be able to match the flags with who have said, we don't want our information online against the new information that comes in. But if for some reason they're not able to do that, say you get married and your last name changes, there's a high chance that your information will be back online again. You said earlier that this is sort of a uniquely American problem. Why is that? Yeah, it's a particular problem in America, partly because there is no right to be forgotten, which there is in the EU with GDPR, but partly because there are certain disclosure rules around public records, whereby things like divorce proceedings, bankruptcies are considered public information and they have to be findable by whoever it might be who wants to find it. Are there any regulators out there that are looking into this to try and see if this is appropriate? Yeah, 
The US Federal Trade Commission actually a few years ago in 2014 did this investigation into a spectrum of data brokers and essentially came back and said there's not enough accountability, there's not enough transparency, there needs to be more legislation and consumers need better control over their information. But since then, nothing has really appeared. There have been a few bills on a federal level, but nothing has been enacted in the same way as there is legislation in the EU. On a state-by-state basis, there's a few little bits and bobs. But beyond that, there isn't really anything at a federal level. And it is something that is being discussed as part of a wider federal privacy bill. But a draft of that hasn't yet been published and we don't know specifically yet what exactly would be included in that. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. Today, we'll be following the European Central Bank, whose governing council will meet and vote on the region's monetary policy. A sharp fall in Eurozone inflation has put pressure on the ECB to inject fresh stimulus into the economy. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. 